Hosting for this podcast is made possible through mtgcast.com, which is supported by a generous contribution from quietspeculation.com, Magic's premier trading and financial news site. Yeah, yeah the next time someone passes you a capsize, you just have to be like, you're out, just go ahead. <laughs> Quit Magic. Popper to the People is brought to you by MTG Madness. You can visit them online at mtgmadness.com. And while you're there, you can use the promo code MTGMAD to get 25% off every purchase valid now through August 31st. This is Popper to the People, episode 123, take two. Take two. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Chris, and with me is Nate. Hello. And special guest from Tap and Sack Podcast is Houston. What's up, guys? How's it going? It's going. Excellent. Should I also record? (laughs) (laughs) Normally, I'm the one that offers to do that, but it's like every 60 episodes or so, something goes horribly wrong. So I guess if you feel that you need to do that, I'm not going to turn it down. (laughs) We get a lost lost episode. Yeah, maybe if everyone just crosses their fingers and cries jinx, maybe nothing will happen. (laughs) I'm a man, I don't cry. All right, fair enough. (laughs) So, uh, man, I have to do all this news again. Um, Let's see. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Preach to me. Preach to me, Chris. (laughs) Uh, First, the big news. Um, Next week, um, I gave my two weeks notice last week, so next week's going to be my last show. Boom, boom, bombshell. Boom. Um, so, man, and, and actually having had another week to kind of think about what I was going to say made me think of some more stuff. But realistically, it's nothing, it's nothing bad. It's nothing, you know, there's, there's no fallout with the other hosts or anything like that. But basically what it comes down to is a, is a time issue. Um, and I really don't have the time to play enough that I feel like I'm of benefit to the show if that makes any sense. And what I've seen happen, and it's, it's really, it's an awesome thing, and it makes me feel really proud, is I've seen people who have, episodes and episodes ago, who have come to me and said, um, through Twitter or through email or whatever, and said, hey man, I got into Popper because of you guys, which is really awesome. And I've seen those people move on and start producing content of their own, to the point where I honestly feel that They've surpassed me in the knowledge that I can bring to the table, and that's not that's not a, a down downer to me at all. That's that's a really positive thing. So I'm starting to feel like I'm kind of the one who, in some ways, is holding the show from being everything it can be, and that's literally because I just don't have the time. Married with three kids and a band, and um, everything else that's going on, you know, something had to give, and I think what's realistically giving is my ability to play 30 to 40 matches a week and and have that analysis and hard data that I can that I can bring to the table. So I've handed the show off to Nate and I've stepped Peter up from intern to actually <laughs> full-time <laughs> real host as opposed to all the jokes we've been constantly giving him. And I'm in the I'm in the process of talking with some of the guys at uh, MTGO Strat seeing if maybe one of them wants to come in as a full-time third spot, that type of thing. So it's really, um, yeah, it's unfortunate and it, it's sad that I won't be doing the show anymore. But I think it's kind of for the for the best as far as the show goes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Nate, do you want to add anything? Um, Chris Weaver needs to get a hold of us, like ASAP. Yes. 
ASAP. Tris, I know you listen to this. You, you need to get a hold of us ASAP. <laughs> so um, I'm not planning on disappearing off the face of the earth. If anything, I think having less time to have to prep show notes and edit a show every week, that's time that I can actually be used to start playing a little bit more popper again and that type of thing. And also, um, if you've been following on MTG Cast, you'll notice that episode one of my new show, Playing for Cheaps, went live already, and that's a video game podcast, which is one of those things where, despite however busy the day was, I've always managed to have, you know, one of the things I do at the end of the day is I just turn on, you know, the computer or the Xbox or the PlayStation for an hour a night and, and play some video games. So... That's just kind of uh, what I'm taking over as far as casual being on a podcast goes. But I would like to, I, I didn't want to kill Popper to the People, you know, because I think I know it's, a, you know, I know people enjoy it. Man, it's, <laughs> last week when I talked about this, it was much more emotional. <laughs> now this week I feel like I'm just like, yeah, I'm done, see ya. <laughs> but it, it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a hard decision. It really was. And I just kind of feel it's for the best, and and you know I know I'm leaving it in good hands with with Nate and Peter, and from what they say, hopefully Chris Weaver can take that third spot. So, but that's the that's the bombshell to start the show. So I wanted to make sure I got that all that out of the way. Input bomb and, sound. Yeah, exactly. Just that type of thing. So yeah. Oh, on now that, that I, note. <laughs> now that I killed momentum. <laughs> And trust me, we had to deal with this last week. We're dealing with it again this week. Um, spoiler season starts next week for Theros Block, and which is really crazy to me because it seems like we just got M14. Yeah, I think they didn't want to make a big deal out of M14 to begin with. They're like, yep, yeah, here's some new cards and some reprinted ones. And hey, by the way, Theros is coming up. Yep. <laughs> here's, a, here's a Doombladed Uncommon, you sons of bitches. <laughs> Yeah, that was good for draft though. That was that was really good <laughs> yeah. for draft cuz like it didn't even matter what color you were in, you always first picked it. Yeah. And, and so the mono red deck had it, the mono green deck had it, the green white black deck had one, you know, like two. So everyone had it. So it was good that it was uncommon it got stepped up. But so, yeah, and and Mark Rosewater, someone had actually asked him a question about, "Hey, you're not throwing popper enough concessions." And he actually commented back on saying that you know limited is kind of the bread and butter of the form, of the of the game, so that's kind of where most of the concessions are being thrown. Yeah, absolutely. Which makes sense. So I mean, they already yes. have so many formats mind. Like yeah. adding another one to it's just a little extra stress. You know, you have to support commander and legacy and modern and standard and limited, and you know, and they have to make sure they don't fuck up any of those. Because people will rage, so adding Popper to it may just be the last thing on their list, sadly. As much yeah. as it's hard to hear, and people are going gonna to hate me for that. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm the, I'm the guest Popper. No, that's not it, but, you know, that's it's probably the last thing on their mind at the moment. Yep. Sorry, I'm just writing down show notes because I have to um, yep. edit out every time you drop an F-bomb. Oh, do I? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, no <laughs> cursing. So- no, no, you can curse, just no F-bombs. Yeah. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> or G-bombs, or, oh, I don't see. or the other F-bomb. Yeah, I yeah, know. <laughs> um, might as well bring this up from last week. 
Okay. Heroes versus monsters. Decklist are out. All right. I was going to say something relevant um, to the other topic at hand. I think that yeah, it's it's unfortunate that you know a lot of, that Popper kind of doesn't really get the consideration that some other formats do with Magic with with Wizards of the Coast. But you know, I think that 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 kind of almost permeates the spirit of the format in the way where it's yeah, we're gonna get. We're not we're not going to be looked at as as a serious format by Wizards sometimes, especially when they're designing new cards. We're not going to be the most lauded format in any of their articles. But there's a real community. You know, we're going to do this ourselves because you know while Wizards isn't saying you know we hate you and we want you to go away, they're not actively supporting it the way they would you know the other formats that make them much more money. And I really appreciate uh, the community members and you know everyone around who steps up and kind of takes that upon ourselves to make it almost some sort of underground type thing, which I, I've always appreciated about the format. So yeah. I see the I see the positive in it. Yeah, we're the we're the DIY punk format of the. Of the magic community, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Anyway, bring bring up your heroes versus monsters thing again. Um, yeah. yes, they they have released the uh, and this is on the Magic the Gathering website. They've released the deck list for heroes versus monsters, the next dual deck. Um, they're highlighting six new cards from Theros in the in this deck, so you can actually get six new cards from the new set before it actually comes out. Um, basically what we got here is a mythic Polychronos World Eater. It's a, uh, 5, five, uh, five uh, 4 drop, 5-5, five, five, that has a new ability, Monstrosity X, which, uh, basically from the looks of it, it's like you put a bunch of one-on counters on it and it becomes monstrous. Man, I guess when this guy becomes monstrous, it deals X damage divided anyway you choose among any number of target creatures your opponents control. Basically, you make that one Hydra fight a whole bunch of creatures at once. And then they do damage back to him. And they do and damage he back dies to him because, because, he because he's still a Hydra, and Hydras are never good in magic. No, but... Sorry. If you give this guy death touch, he is devastating. <laughs> Only you would think of doing that. <laughs> That's the douchey <sighs> thing to do. Yeah. Um, the guy then, that passed me the Colonia Hydra last week in the draft disagrees that <laughs> the Hydras are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking of that Hydra that was Mythic and M10, and then it became... The X one? Just Yeah, I was just like, this thing sucks. No, that one's ridiculous. No, that was good. 13. I don't... I never recourse that. I don't remember which one's which. Is that the one that doubles counters, or is that? 13? Yeah, no, he counters, and then every time he dies, he gets two one-one counters when when he, if he doesn't die. Uh, so he takes okay. one damage, a head disappears, and basically a one-one counter disappears, and it's replaced by two one-one counters. Uh, yeah, I didn't play back then. It was yeah, it's just one every every time he opened it, it's like why why wasn't this a Bane Slayer Angel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one is Annex and Siamid. Yep. Which is Legendary Creature, Human Soldier, First Strike, Vigilance, Heroic, the other ability. Whenever you cast a spell that targets Annex and Siamid, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain trample until end of turn. So, so baby, baby, uh, basically a smaller version of, uh, what is it, that card, uh, plus three, plus, uh, Overrun, smaller version of Overrun. Yeah, it's like you pump him and everyone else gets a little, excuse me, you pump him and her. Yeah. 
her and them, she, the couple. She, she and he, the two of them. I thought it was fake when I first saw it because of Trample. I didn't <laughs> like. Not, not that Red can't have it. I just thought that someone made it up and it was yeah. like really good, and that it was supposed to be like Vigilance or First Strike along with like the couple or you know like Life Link or something. And Trample yeah. just seemed really weird on the card for me. Yeah. But I guess it's fine. <laughs> And then our next two are Calvary Pegasus. It's a one colorless, one white. Flying whenever Calvary Pegasus attacks, each attacking human gains flying until end of turn. It is common, so uh, it does kind of fit in with a white weenie theme. Yes, it does. Which, yep. yeah, because white weenie needs more help. <laughs> <laughs> it's not annoying enough. Let's just make everyone use humans and just let everything fly. That's that sounds like fun. That's great. <laughs> Don't get pissy. <laughs> Someone's bitter. Yep. Somebody's just mad it's because just, they don't like white. It's wing. just my the lead, out of all the decks because it was I was we were playing at my EDH group together and one of my one of our my friends is they're getting into magic and he's got a whole bunch of comments from a friend. So he made a bunch of popper decks. And he wanted to try out a whole bunch of different popper decks from the format. So I'm sitting here dancing or I'm playing, uh, like Green Stompy and Mono Black Rats, cause I, I do have White Weenie in my box. And every time I'm playing something else, my buddy's like, well, why don't you play the White Sleeve deck? I'm like, I don't want to. Wait, <laughs> one sec. What's in your box? Oh, and in my box, I have all my, uh, magic, all, all my popper decks. Right, but what deck specifically is in your box? What? The White Weenie box? Oh, wait, we need yep, yep. Yeah. You have you have white you have a white weenie and what? I had you sick bastard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was You're saying, the sick bastard. I know where he's going with it. Um <laughs> You've tried hard to get around it. Yes I did. See, but it didn't work. This is gonna be bad because without Peter here, who yeah. isn't feeling well, we shouldn't we should mention. Um there's no one to keep us in check. Yeah. Um and the the flavor text of this one says it is hope hooved and winged, but I like to think that they're saying it it is hope hooved and winged because <laughs> I think that fits better. Anyway, better. but my, my but my friend is like, hey, because my all my in my de- in my in that box, all the decks have the right color sleeves for whatever the deck is. Uh-huh. And he's like, play the white sleeve deck. I'm like, I don't want to. He's like, but it's the one deck we haven't you haven't you haven't played me against with, so I'm testing my decks. I'm like. But I don't want to play it. <laughs> and he's like, well, what is it? I'm like, it's White Weenie, and I hate the deck. He's like, well, play it anyway. I'm like, well, so I was forced to play this stupid deck. <laughs> I hate the deck so bad. It's like the one deck in my box that never gets played by me because I hate the deck. Well, just but... keep it at home. <laughs> I know. I, I like having it on hand, though, because when we have when we go to pop, and I go to popper tournaments, and there's always that player that doesn't really... Isn't it be- he? They're a beginner. They don't know much about magic, but they know the basics of attacking. It's just an easy deck for them to pick up and play that doesn't require much. I'm much. sure you could build something that's straightforward that won't make you cry every time you see it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's not you know, popper to the people as an entity isn't saying that white weenie sucks. Yeah, and no, your no, bad no. players play. You know, it's nothing like that. Which. I, apparently, we'd been called out yeah, for in the past. Just, it's, just, it's just each play, each of us preferring certain, just not liking certain decks. Because I'm like, there's no, I'm not even gonna kid the fact that I'm not a huge fan of White Weenie. It's just to me, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's not a good deck. It's just 
for me, I like something a little bit more that I have to think about than just laying creatures and turning them sideways. See, and I prefer to think less, which is why I play Green Stompy. <laughs> turn pump, turn pump. So anyway, the next card uh, that's been uh, spoiled in this is Ordeal of Perforos, which is an aura. It's an uncommon for a red and a colorless. Enchant creature. Whenever enchanted creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. If it has three or more plus one, plus one counters on it, sacrifice Ordeal of Perforos. When you sacrifice or deal with Perforos, it deals three damage to target creature or player. Now, this is reminiscent to me of some of those quests that we saw in Zendikar. Yeah. yeah. Quest of the Pure Flame was the red one. It just does yeah. something the whole time you're using it instead of just sitting there. Yeah. You know, building up until it's to the next to the last counter, and then your opponent removes it. Yeah. But I think the, 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 I mean, they're close to the quest, but the quest was like red source, wasn't it? I think it was like... Anytime a red source was cast, or it, it got a counter Deal or something. Damage to yeah. an opponent. It got a counter. Because right when modern, when modern first became a format, there was that deck that used it. Yeah. To Valakut deck, I think. Yeah, had Quest it of the Goblin Lord. I think that's the card you're thinking of. I think it, I think Quest was like damage to a player, red source to a player, and then Shrine, yeah. the Shrine of Burning Rage was the cast, and then it got a counter, no matter if it was like countered or not. Yeah. I, I played both of them. <laughs> I was hated a was lot. It, quest, it wasn't Quest for Pure Flame. No. It was a rare. The red mm. one? I think there was a red one. I know they had Gem Blades, which was amazing. That quest was absolutely amazing. Creature got like five, I think it was five or seven 1 1 counters or something like that. Ridiculous. You know, it's funny. The first deck I played competitively in standard back when I still played standard was that mono white quest for the holy relic deck which turned it because I could afford it yeah and so you just you play that and you get out the argentum armor (laughs) and you wreck the game that that was one of those that was one of those decks where the second you started playing it you could feel your opponent's eyes roll through the other side of the computer (laughs) yeah but you know the only time I've ever played against that there was one guy at my local store that played it and he always cheated so i always <laughs> got beat by it and i was like man that's the best i was very new i was like that is the best freaking deck out there and you know everybody was like you're stupid like you like you haven't played for very long you don't know what a good deck is and i was like but that deck wins every time and then they <laughs> then they found out that i was talking about that that specific guy and they're like yeah he cheats all the time he has cards in his lap and i was like Holy crap! <laughs> that makes so much sense. So I caught him the next time I played him, and he got really mad and like ran out of the store. But that's my only interaction with that deck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I played it legitimately because MTGO kind of forced you to, and it, it was one of those like "oh shit, I won" type type of decks. Oh darn, and, that's too bad. Yeah. yeah. Then we got yeah. two more. We got Seder Hedonist. Another common. Uh, one colorless, one green. Pay a red, sacrifice Seder Hedonist to add three colorless, uh, three red mana to your mana pool. And it's a 2-1 creature. So if that one that one is interesting. I, I'm not sure where, where it's going to come in, but it's interesting. Do you think it's got any sort of uh, legitimacy in Standard Popper? Probably. I really, I really doubt it in Classic, unless, yeah. you know, something's... It's it's a I don't think in anything existing necessarily. I think maybe if someone wanted to try something new, yeah. it's worth bringing up. 
Because, I mean, a 2-1 for 2, um, okay, you know, one of the things you kind of make a concession to when you're playing Popper is the fact that toughness is kind of non-existent. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. And then the other one, which I really like, Destructive Revelry. One green, one one red, one green, which is a gold card. There's going to be lots of, it looks like there's going to be gold cards in this set. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. Destructive Revelry deals two damage to that permanence controller. I actually like this card, but that's because I'm an EDH player, and it's just another artifact enchantment destruction spell, because if anyone's familiar with EDH, artifacts and enchantments are some of the most annoying cards in the format. Yeah. So. Oh, if you scroll down here, this is kind of interesting from from a limited and even a standard perspective. Beast Within's coming back. Yeah. Sexy art. Yeah, yeah. That so is the this, artwork for is this. this confirmed to be in the set, or is it just new art? I haven't heard that it's going to be in the set, but I really want it. It might to be. be. Yeah, it might just be new art, but they did a lot of new art on a bunch of these cards. It's kind of cool. Yeah, um, I, I really like Beast with, and it's a really good answer the, to Planeswalkers. Especially the Sun Titan. The artwork on the Sun Titan is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's nice about Beast Within getting a reprint is maybe it'll drop the prices down a little bit in modern, too, because I think that's like a three... Last time I checked, it was like a three or four dollar uncommon. Well, it's good. It destroys a permanent. Yeah. It gives them a three three beast token that's easily dealt with. I mean, it was I'm three saying or four it's... in standard, too. It was turn one birds, yeah. turn two beasts within your only land. That happened a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it was bad, Nate. It's not like, why is... Why is Massive Ghouls a $30 card? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Cool new stuff coming. The token yep. doesn't look very beasty. It looks like a porcupine. Pretty porcupine much. within? Porcupine <laughs> dinosaur. See, I kind of get... That's what Sonic the Hedgehog would look like in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> if he took Pretty steroids. Much. If he went all yeah. Armstrong on us. Yeah. That makes sense. I would definitely play oh, look, Sonic you, again. <laughs> look, you can see the deflated duty burst out of in the background there. Huh. <laughs> like, like, a, like an exploded balloon. That's pretty cool. That's funny. So, last piece of news that I have is the article you should be reading. That's up on MTGO Strat. Um, close out some of these links here. This is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, these these are articles by a MTGO player. Um who goes by the name of E-Hustle. And there's a two-part article series. It's called You're Doing It Wrong, Common Deck-Building Mistakes. And first of all, these are long and in a good way. Yeah. Because they're, they're very, very, very intensive. And he just kind of goes into basically all of it. And, I mean, I don't see it as something that's kind of, like, discouraging you from brewing, but it's kind of the stuff to keep in mind. You know, oftentimes when you see a card, you think, oh, I'm going to brew something around that. You kind of get into the um, the frame of mind that, you know, everything's rosy and you just kind of have the best case scenario mentality going through your head. And what this article really kind of does is just breaks down some of the things that you kind of have to keep in mind that you don't often think of. Um, you know, a lot of times when you're new to Popper, one of the first things you try to do is build like a, like a three-color deck or you try and build Jund or, or something of that nature. And then you find out the hard way why three-color is pretty uncommon in Popper. So a lot of that's outlined in the first part. And then in the second part, 
he goes into, you know, fine tuning and looking at your sideboard and that type of thing. And I'm just kind of glossing over it really quickly, but there is, there is a ton of material here that's definitely worth the read. Yeah, I started it today and read like two paragraphs in and I was like, I looked at the scroll bar on the side and I was like, <laughs> crap, <laughs> like I need to, you know, do some other productive stuff. It's on my read later tab on my feeder, so I'm going to get to it later. So that was kind of cool that it was in the show notes, but whew, yeah. it's, it's quite diligent, <laughs> even in the first yeah. couple paragraphs. And one of the things that's nice um, that I found with a lot of the people on mtgostrat.com, and I'm not just pimping it because we're posted there, but, you know, heck, we're posted there, so why not pimp it? Not? Yeah. But, I mean, one of the things that you need to look out for, and one of the things I've noticed a lot with the MTGO Strat writers, at least in my experience, is that they know what they're talking about. It's really easy to pretend you know what you're talking about and just kind of talk out of your butt. But, you know... For instance, an article like this, it's obvious that there was thought that went into it, and it was, it's obvious that there's research that has to go into it. Yeah. And So yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you're definitely going to have to sit down with a laptop or print it out or do whatever it is you do and kind of dig into it, but there's a lot to be gleaned from it, so I wanted to make mention of it. Yeah, and I've, I've started reading E. Hustle's stuff. A lot of his stuff is really good. He's, he's a really good writer, and... You can tell that he knows a lot about it and knows a lot about it. So, yeah. So it's a lot of card tagging to linking. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I did like a sixteen hundred word article, and that about killed myself after I got through with it. Just there's so much tagging, but I couldn't imagine doing this. I'm intimidated by just scrolling it. Yeah, one of the hard things about trying to write, because I tried to do an article and, you know, failed miserably. And I think one of the things is, at least for me, is when you know this stuff inherently or when you've played long enough that you know it through experience, a lot of times it's really tough to kind of condense that down and try and explain it to people who might not get it. It's just like, I don't know how to say this properly. So whenever someone is able to do that, I, I really appreciate it. And I'm in some ways envious of their ability to do so. Yeah. Because I can talk into a microphone. Yeah. That's about that's about what I do. I mean, I have trouble with both, but I'm still trying to write. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I keep being told, like, uh, Prozac and um, Wesco were both telling me, they're just like, just keep writing. You'll eventually get better. And I'm like, man, I hope you're right. <laughs> but, yeah, that's Creative Writing 101 is, yeah. you, you know, you got to do it. Yeah. And you got to get all the garbage out of your head, and then you start to develop a style from that. But it's getting all the garbage out of your head that that's difficult and painful. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I used to write stories all the time. I had a notebook full of them. Yeah, but my mom still has mine somewhere. What happened to your notebook, Nate? I have no clue where it went. There was a, your hopes and dreams. There was a I'll story go. that I wrote in high school I still have that I eventually want to mess around with and do. But uh, I get... I start trying to, like, I'm going to sit down and do it, but then I'm like, I want to go do this instead. So, I don't get it's that It's probably far. in your white wiener box. No, it's not in there. <laughs> you already checked. <laughs> yep. Buried with all the other stuff you didn't want to deal with. No, it's like, I mean, like, everyone who's listened to the show knows, it's like, I wrote a novel, and now it's just the editing process that's just like, come on, I, I, I need to finish this. I'm two-thirds of the way through editing it, and... 
I don't know. There's almost like that fear of success in some ways. Yeah, I don't mean like financial success or critical acclaim, but just the the fear of knowing that you accomplished it in some ways is kind of. It's a weird thing, but it exists. Yeah. So. But for the first topic, we figured we were going to bring back something that we haven't done in a long time, and that's because Houston himself has a popper cube. Hey yo. <laughs> so you want to talk about it a little bit? Uh, sure, sure. Um, I've uh, listened to the cast some. I tried to when I started my own cast, tried to support uh, the casting community and kind of connect and learn and all that stuff. And so I, I had played popper a little bit casually with some people at the store and. I was kind of interested in it, so of course I tuned into the show, and uh, eventually uh, one of the episodes y'all mentioned the cube, and I was like, man, that's right down my budget, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I got $20, I can make a cube, you know? Yep. Um, <laughs> and everybody around me was making the the powered or the, the crazy, you know, $1,000 cubes or whatever, and I was like, no one's got a popper cube around here, I'm going to make that, because uh, it sounds a lot more fun then the power and you know if they're not foil or anything then you know it's it's not a lot of money I'm carrying around with me so I'm not paranoid about bringing it in public you know there's a, there's Absolutely. a lot of little extra things that kind of tag along with it so I was like you know I want to do this so I went out and I tweeted it I think Chris and he sent me the link and I was like all right I want to start there here this is my skeleton so I went with that uh, I got it together I played it with some friends everyone of course enjoys it and uh you know i was like all right i'm gonna foil this thing out so i've got it up to 80 percent foil right now and i have 30 of each unhinged basic for the land base wow. that's awesome oh that's more than the 20 bucks yeah right that's <laughs> bucks. one color of the land base is worth more than the old cube <laughs> so I thought that was like some really good balance <laughs> to where oh heck yeah basics, if you're do it right the basics I just wanted the basics to be more than the cube but uh, mm-hmm. I still have to make about twenty or thirty of them because some of them don't come in foil and I'm not paying a hundred dollars for a uh, for a freaking foil brainstorm because it's just stupid I'd rather just make yeah. one with the dual art um, so there's little things like that I have to to round out and there's some bits and pieces that I have to find because I don't. Uh, I, I may end up just buying the last bits of them, you know, if I if I get the chance. But it's a blast. Um, I've only had we've only had two eight mans so far. Um, mo- a lot of times we've did like Winchesters or Grid um, mm-hmm. and like you know two v two type stuff. We had four people, or sometimes we do a six person draft and um, or cube or whatever it's called. And everyone's really had a blast with it and to the point where there's some people will come in Friday we standard signups draft signups and they'll come up to me and ask me if I have the popper cube to the <laughs> point where awesome. they would rather play the popper cube not because they like have or don't have money it was just like I really enjoyed that that was a lot more fun than playing dull standard or you know a corset uh, draft so I have to bring it in the car uh, every time I go to the shop now, which is yeah. good. So uh, cool. it's definitely probably one of the best investments in magic that I've made besides maybe lands because lands are always a good investment. But uh, 
that's kind of in grouped with this since I got all those un- unhinged. I got a good yeah. package deal from a friend and I'm uh, pimping it out as much as it can be pimped. <laughs> that's cool. That's awesome. It's worth it. I'm just glad to see you see someone else using the list that I made. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, and ours was based. We had one that we were trying to work on based off of Adam Staborski's yeah. Pumper Cube. And I don't know, I can't remember how much of yours was based off of that. I name, based or? the whole thing off of it back when I was just a listener. And uh, over time, I started making my own changes, which eventually got to. Got to my version of my, which completely after a while was transformed into my version of it, my my own version of the cube. Yeah, and that's the biggest piece of advice I think for anyone who is interested in building a cube is, for your first one, find someone else's. Yeah, just just, yeah, find someone else's and go from there because yeah, figure out the why and the reason behind why they put in what they did. Because I tried to do one from scratch and it's. It's a nightmare. It really is with no experience. And then I tried to do Staborski's cube, and I realized that I wouldn't be a good keeper of the cube. And, and Nate was said he had done one, so that solved that problem. Yeah. Did you end up so. putting the Eldrazi in your cube, the eight eight annihilator? I did not. Okay, I was just, I was I curious yet. how I was kind of curious how your group deals with dealt with it because my group because I've had people ask me why isn't the that annihilator in there. Ulamog's Crusher. I took Ulamog's Crusher out because people in my group would end up not using it. They would draft it just so nobody else could use it. Oh, I don't think everyone's experienced enough to do that yet because I'm still get I get still get past like Sprout Swarms and like Rolling (laughs) Templars and Capsize and stuff like that. I'm just like. Bro, it doesn't even matter if you're in this color or not. You have to take this. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's enough fixing in the cube. I've even added some. Uh, I had what I had the bounces or something. I've added yeah. a, more duels. I was yeah. like, you can play anything. Every, almost yeah. everyone can play like three or four or five colors, yeah. and we can still have a decent time. You know, it's going to be a little clunky, but um, I, I find myself drafting a lot of uh, blue green. Lots of blue green. Hmm. It's a pretty uh, strong color. Yeah, I it, it's it's really weird. It's it, like it's the only format I've ever like went blue green more than any other. But yeah. it's it's really easy to. I like all the value in blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a lot of the the pump and the in the ramp that you get in green. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty good combination. When you're dealing with one ofs, it's easy to see why that's a good color yeah. combination. And the, the one time, wall. the one time I played it. Yeah, Anomic Wall, whatever it's called, that gets back okay. stuff from the graveyard, and then Dreamstalker and Capsize and um, the God, the Merfolk that levels up goes into an Island Walker. Yeah, him. Oh yeah. Um, she's great, and then you know you can fix your mana if you splash a color with like uh, the two drop guy that grabs a gate in green, and you've got your ramp, and um, you know your Tribe Elder. I just got my foil tribe elder, and nice. I just got my foil F and M promo mold drifter. That's cool. Uh, so you are going wild. That's awesome. So it's kind of cool that some of my favorite foils are also in those colors. But there's like, if I ever see a mold drifter, I'm like, don't have to take it. Like, <laughs> I will not pass it. It could be mid pack three, and I'm in freaking jund, and I'll take a mold drifter. Like, I don't care. Yeah, card's so good. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's, uh, 
the in my cube in our, my version in my cube it's kind of funny because uh, when we when we go through changes, like just because of Peter, everyone like the people that are it's like me, Peter, Brandon, and Patrick or whatever my other friend Patrick were the ones that always go through the cube and like we lay everything out to see how it looks balanced with every color. And uh, because of Peter, it makes everyone hate on hate on Celestia. Just that's his jam. That's his jam. Just it's go. like every time we draft the cube, Peter will go for something else, and then and everyone will grab the Celestia stuff so he can't have it. And it's always <laughs> it's always the one time that everyone's like, well, the last few times we drafted, Peter hasn't gone those colors, so they leave it. That's the time that Peter goes for Celestia and just wrecks everyone with his deck. <laughs> That makes sense to me, though, why, why, like, when I went to GP Portland, there were a lot of people playing, like, oh, hey, let's get some cube stuff going, and it almost works to your benefit. It's kind of like, you know, just any sort of kitchen table casual stuff you play, where it's like, dude A brings a deck, dude B makes a deck to beat deck A, and then, <laughs> it, so it's just like this, you know, one-off power struggle that you have going on. So it'd be kind of cool to see it in, you know, something like a GP or some sort of event, um... With just a bunch of people who aren't used to playing it, but know how to draft and know yeah. how to cube, just to kind of see what does come out, yeah. because then it's not just constantly trying to one up the metagame against each other. Yeah. Well, in our in our in our group, it's always Peter. Everyone hates what Peter drafts. It's like whatever Peter drafts, everybody hates. So it's it like you get done drafting. It's like, hey, what colors you draft? What colors you draft? Everyone's talking, and everyone's. It's like almost Peter can almost say, like, does anyone want to know what I want? What I draft? Everyone's like, just f you. <laughs> <laughs> so much love every group needs that guy yeah see we haven't had that solidified consistency in the groups yet it's been a lot of different people so it hasn't none of that has formed yet but yeah. i'm sure it eventually will everyone tries to hate me but they don't know the cube well enough to know what to hate so yeah. i just kind of like I've got to the point where I can just kind of gloat at my friends at the end of the draft, and I'm like, "Man, you passed me this! Like, I got a, I got a third to last pick, Mold Drifter. Y'all are crazy." Yeah. yeah. And I can rub that stuff in their face, and then I like talk yeah. about how the card's good, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I guess it is good." You know. It's like I don't even care what colors I'm in. You just keep handing me the best <laughs> ones out of each of them. I yeah. a deck. Four or five colors all the time. Don't care. Yeah, and then I had I had the opposite problem when I was back in Minnesota, and I played that powered cube, and it was just like these are all so good. I don't know what to pick. Yeah. You know, playing with moxes and ancestral recalls, it's like I don't I don't know. I've never even these are the mythical cards I've only heard about, and now playing with them, it's like I don't know which one to choose. Yeah, yeah. So, but with that in mind, we figured why not do a crack a pack? Yeah, so I've done that in a while. We need to no, first pick prophetic prism all day long. <laughs> That's my favorite first pick. Yeah. Well, it goes All time. Yeah. That means I can pick anything I want for the rest of the draft. <laughs> yep. Or I can justify Absolutely. picking anything I want for the rest of the draft. We'll put it that way. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Nate, why don't you read off the cards right. again? First, we got Necrogen Sensor. It is, uh, when it comes into play, it has, I can't even see it that well on my screen. Two counters. Two counters, and you can remove a counter to have have target player tap and remove a counter to have a player lose two life. Um, Rubble Belt Maka, I think most people know what this thing is. It's just the red giant growth. Um, got Sekbiata, Sekbiata, Sekbiata Lancer, Haste, Haste Flanking Creature, a 2-2. Repulse, everyone knows what that does. 
blind zealot, uh, two two intimidate. When it goes through and deals damage, you can sack it to kill a non-black creature. Uh, Via Shaman First Blade is one of the newer cards. A lot of people should know what it does. It's just from the new Gate Gate Crash. Um, Orum's Thunder is an older card. It's a uh, destroy target artifact or enchantment. If the, if the kicker was paid, then it deals damage to the owner of the card. Well, I think it's converted mana cost of the enchantment, I think. Yeah. Yeah, gather. Like we can look him up. Yeah. Something like that. Murder. We all know what murder does. It's pretty obvious. Uh, yep. Searing it clearly spear. bounces a creature. It clearly bounces a creature. I thought it was a pump spell. It bounces a creature Sometimes. with a sword through his chest. If you have the uh, if you have the full art version, <laughs> <laughs> I just kind I just find it kind of find it funny how on this uh, this popper cube deck sample thing how it put murder and searing spear right next to each other because both cards have something going through somebody's chest. <laughs> it is nice. Kind of funny. Uh, Searing Sphere, we all know what that does. Uh, Nest Invader, the 2-drop two 2-2 two, two that brings an Eldrazi spawn token into play. Mm-hmm. Deviant Glee from from Return to Ravnica. It's a 2-1 uh, with uh, this creature against Trampled Thunder of Turn if you pay one red mana. Boros Guildgate, Doomed Traveler, we all know what that does. Uh, Thalaco Seer, it's a one one shadow creature that when it when you when it gets removed from play, you get to draw a card. And Saltari Lancer, which is a shadow two two creature that has first strike when attacking, which is kind of weird. Which is, when you think about the card, a lot of people go, "Well, first strike guy when attacking is irrelevant." But you got to think when this card came out, shadow was the big thing, so there was lots of shadow being played. So the first strike was actually valid. And there's also in looking at your cube, there's there's not an insubstantial amount of shadow. No, yeah. it's the all the shadow in here people use for unblockable creatures anyway. Yeah. yeah. So that can really mess up someone's game plan yeah. if you do have a that. And almost all of them are one toughness. Yeah. There's like two that aren't or something like that. So they're as as known in popper, it's it dies to almost everything. Yeah. Yep. So historically, we've let the guest go first, so I think that that's probably the the way we should do it. So Houston, why don't you go ahead and take the first pick? What you think you choose here and why? Uh oh. Okay. Um. <laughs> well, I'm gonna clearly go with removal first because I always feel like picking up creatures later when I draft. So between murder and searing spear for me, um. Knowing it is Popper, I'm going to go with Searing Spear because it's probably going to kill everything that Murder kills. That um, you can hit a player with it too if you need to. Also, very well hit a player. Um, most things that it can't kill, you've you know you've played wrong or you've waited too late to get its toughness up, or yeah. it's it's not as relevant as it needs to be. Searing Spear is just uh, pretty easy for me. Plus. It is one red and a colorless instead of two black and a colorless. Yeah. So, uh, it not, you know, there's a lot of fixing in the cube, but as a first pick, I think Syrian Spear is a good, safe one. Okay. Absolutely. Nate, why don't you go ahead and go second? I'm going to go with Murder because he took Syrian Spear from me. <laughs> um, double black, one destroyed target creature. Pretty self explanatory. I don't like that creature. Get rid of it. So. Yeah. Well,. The two that stick out to me are Thalico Seer 
because of the reasons we already mentioned. In fact, when I when I played the Popper Cube back east, I ended up kind of going with the Blue White Shadow deck to to pretty good effect. So that one, I, I, I I've seen and experienced firsthand how that works. But the other one is Rubble Belt Maka that kind of sticks out to me, and I know that historically I've been the one that's like, why the hell would you pick that? But Rubble Belt Maka, I like the versatility of it because even if you know red doesn't go my way and um, I end up just splashing red for maybe this and something else. I know that I can always use it as a pump spell if if need be yeah. to, to swing through for that much more damage. So there's a little bit of versatility there. But having said all of that, I think I'm still going to end up going with the Thalico Seer simply because of the the, sh- the shadow effect on it and the fact that you know I, I can just swing through with that much damage. And then I'm just going to try and go hard into blue, you know, blue splash something else. Yeah, maybe maybe white if I see more of the shadow creatures going around, but but that's gonna be my pick. You'd be hoping for a ninja too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that capsize that you know you you get past. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Too much you mana. You gotta time? pass that. <laughs> now, what I wanted to ask you guys is in in the context of the cube, what do you think of Necrogen Sensor? Um, it's something that was Peter's idea to add that card originally, I thought, um, because we had something in the artifact slot, something more useful in the artifact slot that was universal, and Necrogen Sensor is kind of a universal card, it comes with charge counters, and just kind of helps you get there, because you can, like, play the unblockable deck and just keep hammering on them little bit by little bit, and then you get them down to that final two life, or use it right away to help get there. Either you can help get there or get them down to that final two life off of unblockable creatures or burn and just kind of remove that last charge counter just to kill them once they get down to two. You can play yeah. that that red burn deck or the madcap skills deviant glee type deck, <laughs> and then when they blow out all your creatures, you can try to finish with that. Yeah. yeah. Swing if and you can. Thing- if not, take two life. Yeah. Yep. And it also has the advantage of being colorless. And... It seems like something that would probably wheel. So if you picked it up, you know, tenth or eleventh pick, and there was nothing else, I mean, I would more than happily scoop that up out of a out of a dwindling pack. And yeah. you know, whether or not I used it, I feel like it would be a pretty solid choice. I guess I've actually used this card drafting it once, and I actually ended up getting a lot of creatures that, when it comes into play, you have to bounce a permanent back to your hand. So I was like necrogening, censoring my opponents to death with this card. I like use all the use all the token play just pull off like a straight arrows combo with it and just play it, make them lose two life and then when it was out I would just bounce, like just play some creature bounce a permanent bring it back and replay it with more charge counters and just keep doing that over and over again, which got one of my opponents one of my opponents really ticked off and it was one of my friends so I, it's not like a big deal. But he goes, you know what? I would. I really want to punch you in the face right now. After <laughs> that's good. That means your deck's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you're playing <laughs> Bantmans. <laughs> <laughs> the other the other thing I would ask too, Nate. Um, how much proliferates in the deck? Not much. There is. Not we much. actually okay. took the last of it out because okay. it was wasn't valid. That makes so. sense. Yeah. One of the first things uh, I wanted to try to do after I have it all fold out or whatever is to add a- add more bounce in to see if they could add enough without screwing up the cube to where there could be a bounce deck, like fairy intruders type, deputy of acquittals type, 
um, come into play. I mean, there's a lot of good come into play effects. Uh, there is some bounce already, but you know, some well, the yeah. uh, the goblin that bounces a creature or, or whatnot. You know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of really cool effects, and but uh, I might just clunk it up. So that's why I'm gonna play with it a lot more and then see if it's worth adding because yeah. Dreamstalker's yeah. pretty good. So in in the cube and in my in this this list it's pretty balanced. It's like what do we got for colors? We got fifty five white cards, fifty four blue cards, fifty four red cards, fifty four green, fifty four black, forty four gold cards, and then forty five colors. So I mean, it's granted white. It's about as balanced as you're gonna get. Yeah, granted white has one extra card compared to everything else, yeah. but white needs it. <laughs> yeah. Because it lacks everything. Bullshit, else. white needs I'm just kidding. White needs it because it lacks... It, it, it has a great defense, but lacks a lot of offense. Yeah. So... Yeah. Cool. But yeah. Awesome. That's the key. Um, yeah. But, it looks sorry. very familiar. <laughs> um, get hyped. Get hyped. Uh, I kind of wanted to bring this... I know this is in the show notes, but I just wanted to mention it really quickly. Uh, yeah. Bringing making this cube has also motivated me to bring Popper to my local community, and it's something that you guys have talked about. And if if anyone follows me on Twitter, you guys talked with me enough. You know, I'm very uh, community oriented. That's in my mind. That's oh, has a lot to do with my major and what I'm going to school for. So I, I was like, all right, you guys have a huge interest in modern, or uh, enough people are intrigued. I'm going to build a, a gauntlet. So I've been picking up pieces for, you know, the somewhat popular decks, and I'm going to try to build at least eight popper decks and sleeve them up, and uh, I'll have that in a thousand count box or whatnot, or uh, if it all fits. And Mm -hmm. I'll have that with me with the cube, and we can actually, I can actually bring this and say, hey, let's all roll a die, you know, one through eight, and you get to pick a random, you know, you get a random deck, and... Five dollar, put five. Everybody put five dollars in the pot, and we'll get a sanctioned tournament or whatever. Yeah. Through the store, because you know, owners like yeah. down with that. So you know, it, it would be a random, or we can just play for fun. I mean, it doesn't even have to yeah. be a sanctioned tournament. But there was a lot of people that showed a lot of interest, so I'm starting to build that too. Uh, so, as you're building your community, another thing you can do is like, uh, like I've said this in the past, because I am a coordinator. Um, or I was a coordinator. Once again, your store, I'll probably get that back title back again. Um, you just you just got to bring up to your your uh, local coordinator who plans everything, store owner, whatever. Say, hey, I got a group of people we want to do popper, and uh, they're more than willing. If you can get eight people to show up for an event, they're more than willing to you do it usually, and they'll even throw some pretty cool prize support in. Um, well, I'm getting that position of coordinator. <laughs> so, cool. well, congrats! Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. You'll have a lot of fun with that being a coordinator. It's I enjoy it. I kind of miss it now because you get to meet so many different people. Yeah, I have but, to uh, learn a lot of games. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but uh, be ready to get games. bombed. Be ready to, like, after you establish that, your coordinator stuff, and you have your... I would always recommend you get, like, a separate email address because you're going to get bombed with email. Like, I remember... I remember back when I was in the process of planning events and all that and scheduling my other coordinators. I had a bunch under me, so I wouldn't have to be at all the events. And, uh, yeah, I ended up, like, it was literally a half-hour to 45-minute routine 
to go and check the email and answer everybody. And then you go into the, I went into the story where I worked at the dugout and it's like, I'd be there just as a player looking for cards. And sometimes I would literally have to wait until like a half hour before the store closes or when I know it's dead because there's no way if I walked in the middle of the day with magic players there that I'd actually get to get to what I was trying to do. Because it's like, oh, the coordinator's here. We're going to ask a million freaking questions. Yeah. This is going to be fun. <laughs> got hired on as the other magic guy. Yeah. And uh, so when I'm there just sitting, doing whatever, they're like, oh, someone wants to trade in a collection. Will you go through it and give me a price? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm sitting down looking at this binder, and I'm like, give him this much. He's, he's like, oh, well, he wants cash. And I was like, all right, we'll take, you know, 20% off of it. Yeah, I remember that. And he's like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Yes." Like, I'm not. I'm not getting paid for this. Just do that, or tell him to go away. I remember it, having it. Yeah, I remember having to do one of those in the middle of a pre-pre-pre-pre release with about sixty people there. That's oh, yeah. nuts. That's crazy. <laughs> I had to work my first pre-release, my midnight, and I worked the the evening when I he let me skip oh. the noon one. But uh, well, it, it was fun. But I didn't know I was getting promoted to judge. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even Level a rules point advisor. Five judge. Yeah, uh, probably ninety percent of everyone that's in the store has played more Magic or has played longer than me. That doesn't mean that everyone knows like more rules or whatever. But like, uh, I I'm a player. You know, just because I got hired <laughs> onto the store doesn't mean I instantly know all the the rules. Yeah. So anytime I'm in the store and there's a there's a judge question, I have to get pulled over, yeah. and I'm like, bro, I'm not one. And you know, and my <laughs> store owner's like, you need to get your your uh, your you know, your license or whatever it's called. Your judge. The easiest level. way to get out of that if you don't want to do it is just talk nonsense and be like, well, see, you know, like see, I'm not exactly sure. I see where you tapped the teardrop for the water mana. And I don't know. <laughs> that means you get one of them, right? And then they'll be like, "Just go away." Okay. <laughs> well, then it doesn't get resolved. <laughs> That's usually, what happens. I think you, when like, I you don't with... call a judge when I'm there, but you call a judge when I'm there. Like you have to deal with it each other if I'm not there. I, so I, know... I like go on gather a lot. <laughs> yeah. I know. I get familiar. Download familiar on your phone. It, it's an awesome app that you can get on Android. It literally has that down right now. Yes, it's it's an it's an app you can put on your phone. It's called MTG Familiar. They have like you can search up cards. You you can do everything. You could even like if you're doing trading, you can even like balance the trade out. Like you can put cards in, and it'll give a price, and then you can put the the cards you want, and it'll actually tally everything as you go. Oh, but I it has a do that. They don't lose money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other the other thing getting back to the prize support thing that um we've talked about before Nate's store does it is if cash is something that you're not comfortable doing you know play sets of like the staples yeah. i mean you know, like a play set you know you can get capsized for 99 cents a card you know so like a your first place gets a play set of capsize for you know 4 or 5 bucks you know that type of stuff where it's more about the the bragging rights of winning but you kind of get some you know neat stuff out of it and, you know go as far as him to tour rocks or you know that type of thing those those are always really cool you know when i was back there even even people who had the play sets of stuff getting another play set of it, it you know it was kind of like the trophy yeah you know you don't get your you don't get your promo for winning game day but you get your your winning play set of stuff yeah. you know that that's kind of cool yeah 
Well, I just created a point system for our store. Basically, I won't go into the the whole spiel. I'm going to write an article about it if I can just reference it. But um, sure. It, basically, you earn points, and there's there's people that play on Saturdays and play, people that play on Fridays, and we're keeping them separate. But basically, if you win a tournament that launches in the evening, you get points. And at the end of the month, if you're the the highest points winner of the month, you get an, a gold nameplate that goes on the table, and it has your name and the month that you won. And then so that's cool. for that's cool. the next month, everyone that you play has to come to your table and play you. That's cool. So there's a Friday winner and a Saturday winner, and you get it for a month. And then when it's done, those go up on a plaque, and the new winners go down. And then at the end, everyone that plaqued through the whole year gets to play in one big tournament, free entry. Winner gets free F&M for a year. Wow. Man. And then um, the winner, the first and second place of all tournaments um, through each quarter of the year, will qualify you for a win-a-box tournament. So if you can only qualify once. So if you win first this week and then next week you win first, then it drops down to second and third. So it's you get two people qualified each week. It's not always first and second. So you, can, you can't like qualify again and take someone out or whatever. Sure. It keeps well, the keeps numbers exactly in. the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That keeps and people it, in the tournament. And then th- and that will be a box uh, or whatnot. So we're... It's we're kind of doing that because we and we're also giving out points for like if you uh, well it's it's three for a win one for a draw zero for a loss and if you play the whole tournament if you play all your rounds you get a participation point so we're trying to create motivation and store loyalty which is something that's really uh, not very solid around here (laughs) so uh, I like the. I like that having to play against the winner too. Kind of, you get to get some gunslinging experience into. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I, th- I think it's good motivation that doesn't run the store into the ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I was like, "What do you think about free F and M for a year? Is that too much?" And he's like, "Nah, we can do that. That's fine." Well, how much and, you uh, charge free F and Ms? Five. Oh, that's yeah. He's not he's not losing out on anything. Yeah, and uh, another thing we're doing for the people that are. You know, are are playing a lot and not doing well, or very casual players. We still wanted to reward them too. So, with every hundred lifetime points, because they reset at the end of uh, every month for the for the monthly winner, but you you get like a running total, uh, and every hundred dollar or every hundred points that you get, you can cash in for a free F and M. That's awesome. Or a ten dollar draft. So, kind of you got you started your own uh, play rewards program. More or less, trying to. Which Wizards so. never should have got rid of because that was a great program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, we'll see how it's going. Uh, I think a lot of people are enjoying it. I'm bringing a lot of people from another store over, but uh, That's cool. I, I'm really excited about it. And Cool. And the cool thing about what you're doing is it usually only takes like one person to say, hey, we got to organize. We got to get together. We got to get this. We got to build our player community and our player base. You'd be surprised after you build that player base how easy it is for everyone to get the cards they're looking for. Exactly. They won't have to. They won't have to go on eBay or the internet that often because they know there's someone locally they can get it from. Yes. So that's a yeah. huge plus. Hopefully, that will develop more. Many of the players around here want a certain card. They'll sit down with you. Say, I have a. Xanthrid Necromancer, which this happened last week. I had a foil one, and this guy's like, I really want this. And I'm like, all right, cool. It was 10 ish dollars. I don't remember. So I picked out this card. I was like, this is, this is 15. 
you know, can you find something else and we'll even it out? He was like, no, I just want that card. And I was like, come on, man, like, just find the balance, you know, it'll come around and we'll trade again and, you know, it'll go the other way. It just, it just always does. It always evens out. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, if you can just find something for that exact amount, then we can do that. And I was like, I'm not picking up like five brainstorms off you. Like, that's dumb. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But that's that's the example of a lot of the traders. They they want you know these X three cards X Y and Z, and if you don't have them, they don't want to trade with you. If you do, they only want you to get that exact value. So hopefully, mm. if we can consistently keep people coming, yeah, and get some more experience with how the trading process mm, works, get people a little well, bit closer, my... talking a little bit more, yeah. it'll it'll develop. Yeah, it does, because once they get to know each other, you end up being able to tra- – having trading not be a big deal, because I know in my group, of play- my group, um, I have a group that meets for EDH, and I, I know all of them very well. Like, we don't even really look at value anymore. We're like, are you happy with everything you got? Yeah. Are you happy with what you got? Yeah. Good. We got to trade. <laughs> most, of the time, most of the time, we're not even really looking at, like, card price. It's like, are you happy with what you got? Yeah. Okay, we're good then. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like my one buddy, I have a few of my buddies. Like Peter's one of them. Peter and Brandon, they'll like go through my trade book and find something they want, but they don't have their trade with. And I'm like, eh, take it. We'll figure it out later. Yeah. And then next time we meet, they have their stuff, and I find something, and we're good. <laughs> yeah, I have a note. I have a notepad document in my phone where I just keep all the IOs and owes me. Yeah. And I just keep all that in my phone. And a lot of times my friends forget, but, and I even do too. And I'll, you know, I'll just reference that. Like, I, there was a guy, we were like two, he was nickel and dive me forever, but uh, I was two, we were 250 off. And I was like, man, I work here. I come here three times, four times a week, man. You'll see me again. I'll owe you 250, man. I'll put it in my phone. Yeah. If you need, if you want to ask around and see if I'm good for it, that's cool. And so most people will do that. And, the store owner does the same thing if people need yeah. cards because he has like a hundred something extra dual lands That's cool. he doesn't need. So <laughs> just how everyone's it passes in, my wet candy. <laughs> uh, I mean, everyone's in debt to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he ever it's needs a, a good card store and you have it, like yeah. <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, speaking of stores, uh, St. Cloud has a new card shop opening. Um, it's not the place I work for, but it's a friend of mine. Um, He's commonly known on MTGO as Sneak Attack Kid. Um, okay. He has I've I've talked we've t- I've talked about him before. He's he his name's James Belts. He uh, has won a state championship like two like twice in Minnesota. He's opening a store right here in Waite Park, St. Cloud area, and it's going to be called Sneak Attacks Games. Cool. Um, so I've already been talking to him a little bit, and he is interested in getting Popper going. And his popper prize support he wants to go with is he wants to give away shocklands, shocklands to first place for popper events. Nice. So he has, oh, and then he wants to get an EDH league started. Which basically he, the only reason why he asked me about it is because he did, he uh, he knew I had already started an EDH league, and I was very unhappy with the last when the dugout went out of business. Another store picked it up and just kind of took it as their own and he knew I wasn't happy about that. So he respectfully asked me if it was, if, if my insight on it, but I was okay with him, you know, taking it and tweaking it. And I'm like, go on right on ahead and do it. <laughs> so, so let's move on to heroes of the web. Yeah. 
God, this one's terrible. Here's the web is the segment of our show where we take a look at some of the more interesting characters that inhabit the internet. Doesn't have to be Magic the Gathering related, but we try and make it that way. And this one is almost too much internet for one forum, but somehow they managed to make it fit. And this is called, If There Was an MTG Anime, What Type of Deck Would the Main Character Run? So, the only thing that's missing from this one is My Little Ponies. Yeah, pretty much. So, forum post opens with, I'm thinking it'd definitely have white, maybe even mono-white. White weenie comes to mind. Definitely no black, though. So, proof positive that people think too much about this stuff. This guy says, it all depends on the demographic of the intended audience. If it was more aimed at kids, probably white and or green. If it was aimed at teenagers, blue or red. College age, red or black. So we got two posts in before people started getting shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, this isn't Yu-Gi-Oh. If Wizards were going to do an MTG-based anime, it wouldn't be based around this type of philosophy. It would be more like setting up the video for the original Ravnica, follow a few different characters, in this case Planeswalkers, and have them use the mana of the plans plane planes there on to cast spells and so forth, like they did in the old paper block paperback magic books. It would probably be something similar to the comic that IDW is now doing, following a planeswalker that was made from scratch. Easy. Easy there, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Internet rage. Yeah. And then, you know... I like this one. I like this one. Go ahead. He'd he'd play Spanish Inquisition because no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. (laughs) I like that. But I just like this guy chiming in right here where he goes, the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime isn't bad. (laughs) Thanks, dude. (laughs) You just set yourself up. Wow. This is why I avoid a lot of forums. (laughs) It's so terrible. I can see it now. The storyline for season one would start with a white planeswalker who duels but then makes friends with a green planeswalker. The two would find out some evil powers terrorizing whatever plane they're on. They would have to take down some blue, red, and black planeswalkers. Then when they think they've won, BAM! Nicol Bolas shows up with the combined abilities of those three and the good guys have to take him down together. (laughs) Yeah, they have to get their Megazords out. Yeah. Then when they fight Nicol Bolas, he's pretty much a badass. And when the good guys team up on him to win, they get crew ultimatum, but still get there eventually with teamwork and luck. (laughs) (laughs) And then they all and then they all find out that Jace the Jace the Mind Sculptor was behind everything. See, this is dangerously close to that Jace fan fiction I read back then. Yeah, the Yu-Gi-Oh anime isn't bad. Everything Yu-Gi-Oh is bad. <laughs> no, the abridged is good. Obviously, it would be something like High Tide or Eggs. They could fill an entire episode with just card cards cast before even adding anything like a plot. <laughs> Lots of boobs, whatever it'd be. Of course. <laughs> Some of that internal witness. Yeah. <laughs> you would play Miracles. If I know anything from watching Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon when I was a kid, translation, today, <laughs> it's just that people that watch that stuff are extremely dumb. You have to find the main character tapped into his own heart of the cards, rip infinite miracles to just barely win every match on the show, and people would still be like, ZOMG and treat for the win. Ah, how does he do it? Huh. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. Obviously, the anime would be about a regular, a regular in parentheses, 
High school kid who finds his planeswalker finds his planeswalker spark has awakened. He'll travel across the plains and pick up a harem of five girls, <laughs> one of each color of mana, red with uh, to sun deer, whatever. Blue will be a mad scientist. Green will be a childhood friend, and white will be a student council president. Black will be a gold digger. Wacky hijinks will ensue in most of its most of its run, and then the ending will be a lackluster. A movie will be released, but it will be super dark and depressing. <laughs> Pick, picking up chicks. It's like uh, <laughs> Castle Crashers. Just one at a time. <laughs> Put them over your like shoulder, this. give them a kiss, and carry on. Yeah. I like this. What do you have against animes? If you had bad experience with a handful of animes aired in North America, then don't make that kind of comment, please. Says dude with furry as his avatar. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> it's just a game people oh that's enough I can't handle it anymore it's okay it's got a lot of time on your hands yep <laughs> I like yeah. the guy that posted uh, I think it's he's like I think it's funny that all the shock lands sound like women's parts oh that that old one yeah oh it's <laughs> Yeah, that old one, I guess, but I, that's the last one I've read. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's genius. <laughs> what I mean by that one is, I thought about it and then realized that no, I probably can't do this for Heroes of the Web. <laughs> Jay's fan fiction probably lost half of our fan base. Yeah, I was wrong. I have to tread carefully. Our, my fan base is way different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like you didn't say f enough that episode. I'm like, all right, my bad. I'll have to think about it next time. Just just one big, like, you don't even have show notes. You just have a text document open on your screen that says, say fuck more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the last episode we were talking about, I was like, maybe I just need to, to, you know, copy it and add (laughs) as we go. You know, like, like, oh, here's a, here's a good pause. We'll just put one right there. Just I would be fill I would in all the blanks. Just take out. I would listen to that. Take out every um and put <laughs> right there. <laughs> be a great show. No one would care about magic anymore. Oh my they, god, they that still is do. disturbing. What they do? Oh, they do with oh the dual lands do have that. Yep. So anyway, <laughs> Did you read them all now. <laughs> Yeah, I went on Star City and looked them up. <laughs> we're gonna leave it. We're gonna leave it at that. Oh. <laughs> Comments, emails, and feedback. Actually, this is gonna be a pretty short session because Skype ate last week's episode, so we don't have any comments, emails, or feedback about it, except for quite a few people who said "damn you, Skype," and I agree. So, does anyone have anything final to add before we end the show for the week? Um, nothing much besides Chris Weaver get a hold of us as soon as possible. I mean it. starting to freak out. (laughs) I mean it. Um, Houston, um, why don't you pimp your show, tell people how they can contact you, all that good stuff. All right. Well, I'm on – I host Tap and Sack. It's on MTG Cast. That's the consistent place it's going to go. Follow me on Twitter at TNSGingerAle. My website's TNSGingerAle.com. My second article for Mana Deprived just went up called Fans Voice. Uh, there's one, there's one and two. It's very uh, community-based oriented articles discussing um, 
mechanics and uh, things that are not necessarily wrong with the community, but I want to bring up subjects and have intelligent conversations about them or productive conversations about them as in like uh, how things are designed or how people act or how to build your store and stuff like that. Um, I'm just trying it out and KYT's giving me a shot at it, so it's got enough reception to be to be good. Uh, so I'm really excited about joining joining Mana Deprived and uh, uh, I'd love to talk with you. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter. Twitter's probably the best. Not really look at the emails all that often, and we got Facebook pages for the show. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I love to talk to any of you. I've always been a, a a good fan of this show, good friends, friend and fan, and uh, I enjoy being on, guys. Appreciate it. Sorry for all the oh. uh, f bombs. <laughs> it's okay. I, I censored myself as much as possible. You did. You did nobly. You did much better than some people we had. You did better than one person we had as a host for fifty episodes. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's a pleasure. And you know, the same offer I extend to anyone who's been a guest is, you know, anytime you're welcome to come back on. Yeah, you but are anytime. So, um, popper to the people at gmail dot com, facebook dot com slash popper to the people, popper to the people dot proboards dot com. You can find Nate and I on Twitter. Yep. I'm at CM Plumber. Nate's at Nathan Youngkin. You can find us on MTGO as well on Grey Cat Records. Nate is NUCon and Peter is Midnight03. And I think that's it. Yep. I think that's it. If anyone, you know, I'll just pimp it one more time just because I can. If anyone wants to listen to my new show, um, let me know what you think of it, especially the people who have been listening to this show for a long time. I'm not trying to steal you away, but you know, I I value the listener's opinion. So, you know, if you had, you know, any comments or constructive criticism or, or just general opinions about the new show, um, I would appreciate it. So there's a ooh. chance for, for Matt and I to get back together and start doing some stuff again. I'm looking forward without, to that actually. Without him having to stress out as much as he did about Magic the Gathering, because he is very analytical and he was he was putting in fifty hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> he was making probably to the people his second full time job, and I was like, "Dude, that's not the point." So mm-hmm. this is a lot more casual, a lot more laid back. So, ooh, ooh, can I say one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. Well, kind of too. Um, we are having tech. We're looking for a, another co-host, a, a permanent co-host. Um, looking for someone that's, uh, I guess, talkative like myself. My co-host is a little quieter and kind of likes to chime in a lot, and uh, I have to carry a lot of the show. And sometimes I don't get to drink all of my beer, so. I'd like to have someone I can bounce and hand off topics to, so if you're interested in that, uh, hit me up or interact with me. It's not like an interview process or anything, but, you know, uh, th- that's on the table. And uh, if anyone's starting a Soul Forge podcast, hit me up. I don't want to run it, but I want to be on it because uh, that game is fun. So, I guess Is that out yet? Things. Yeah, it's out. Free download. Go for it. Yeah, it's in beta, isn't it? They're, yeah. So you can get you can access everything for free right now while they're in beta. Yeah, you can get like four or five packs a day. You can earn like four or five packs a day. Nice of cards to open. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a blast. Feeds that feeds that cardboard crack itch that mm-hmm. you have. Yeah, but there's no cardboard. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I I even tweeted at him. I was like, the only thing wrong with your game is there's no new pack smell when you open the packs. I was nice. like, you need to find a way to insert that to shoot out my speakers. Like, that's a problem. And he was like, there's a really good animation that opens, and I was like, not the same. It's just not the same. 
but we even started talking about it on our cast. It's seeping in <laughs> on our show because I mean it's it's fun. It's, it's a card game, and it could be the future of card games. So, yeah, awesome. Um, Chris, I linked a video to you that you should check out. Okay, I will check it out as soon as we're done. Okay. Is that the is that the goal, or do you want me to check it out now? No, it's it just can be after the show's over. Okay, cool. I want you to bring it up, but if if it's possible, you should bring it up on the game and see it, see what Matt thinks about the game because I think it looks amazing. Okay, we'll do one podcast at a time. Let me finish yes. this one. Nate. <laughs> <laughs> you just merge them together. We'll just go into the next one. <laughs> I know games. We can do this. <laughs> yep. So until next week, my name is Chris. This is Nate. Ginger ale. And this is Popper to the People. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Did it work? Is it recorded? It worked. It, it worked. recorded. <laughs>